Praise the Lord. Praise amen. The Lord. We're, glad amen. We're glad to be in the house of, in God, the house tonight. of God tonight. Thankful, thankful that you are here, with, here us with us tonight in the house of the Lord. We do have several, several that are out, out sick. Want to continue to be praying for them. For them. Continue hold them up to God in prayer. Do you have a prayer request tonight? You're in the house of God. God knows every need. If you're on our live stream, you can text the keyword prayer to 205-642-8744. We want to partner together with you in prayer. Let's all stand those that are able to in the spirit of God. In our time of Bible study, dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to the gate today, we want to thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity allowed us to come to worship, worship, praise you, Father. Tonight, I pray that you'll move and minister in a mighty way in our time of Bible study. Father, I pray over our kids' class, our young adults, our young adults, study here in the sanctuary, those in house, in house, in life. Father, I pray that you'll move in a mighty way in our services. I know we have. I know we have more services. In the, in, the, in the year of 2023, and Father, we're and looking Father, forward to what you're going to continue, continue to do in this year, in this year and, what we, and what we expect in the next year to come. Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. do. In Jesus' in Jesus name, we name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Let's worship in song tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're singing a wonderful song tonight. Oh, I want to see him. We're going to pick it up. Tonight, 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 and get your hands ready to hands clap ready a little, clap bit, with little bit with us. And warm up, and warm on up cool on night. this cool night. 279. 279. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing steps to Calvary, to the risen flow, many arrows pierce my soul. Oh, I want to see him. 
page 341. 341 at the bottom of the page. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen. 341. <laughs> Thank you. 
got a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. Thank you again for being here with us today. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. That's an awesome song about taking things to God in prayer, and it goes right along with what we have for our for tonight. This is the light. You know, I, me and uh, me and Sister Carrie, we was talking at the house the other day, and I got to thinking. I was trying to. I was trying to remember some of 2023, just to be honest with you. I was trying to remember some aspects of it, and I was thinking, this year is gone. This year is gone. And so I had went down to the office at the house, and I was sitting there, and I got to thinking, and I was, wait, wait a minute. This year is gone. Because I got to thinking, January the 1st, it, the date was eluding me. I couldn't remember what the date was. But January the 1st, 2023, was a Sunday. The first Sunday of the, the first day of this year, the first Sunday of this year was January the 1st. I was out sick. And that feels like that was just last month. This year is gone. And I was thinking, where did this year go? And so we, we was having that conversation the other day because it's just like, wow. But this is the last Wednesday night. Of 2023. Sunday is the last day, the last Sunday morning service of 2023. This year is all gone. But 2024 is yet to come. I'm not going to rush it because, you know what, Jesus could come back before 2024 gets here. I mean, the rapture can take place tonight. So, but God still has a work to be done around his people. Amen. I want you to take a look at 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to be looking, I, I believe I put them all in there, <laughs> Brother Dan. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. I think I put, okay, good. All right. 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 is what we're going to be looking at. And I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of, of an insight on some of these on some aspects of this because I want us to I want us to understand that we've got to really look at the Bible at the entirety. We need to look at the Bible at the context in which it's written. We've got to look at why was these here's something I want you to think about before we even get into this. We all know that there's never that even the Library of Congress could not hold all of the stories of Jesus, much less all the things that happened from Genesis chapter 1 until the ending of Revelation, all the things that took place, all the things that happened. The Bible cannot contain that, right? We all know that. There are a lot of things that happened that was that has not been recorded. We understand that as well. Uh, I'm not trying to, uh, somebody's going to, Somebody's going to look at me awful ugly when I start saying this. If you ever really look at some of these, uh, at some historical books, you look at other, maybe they're not part of the Bible, but you look at other 
uh, historical record books from that time frame. They, 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 some of those confirm the stories in the Bible, obviously. But then there's also, they tell other stories of other things that's happening. And I'm not, I had somebody come to me at one of our churches one time, and they said they wanted to teach, they wanted to use some other literature for the, for the teenagers class. And I said, okay, that's, I ain't got no problem with that. I'm not, you know, stuck to one thing or another. I said, that's fine. What do you want to use? And they said, they told me the name of the book that they was wanting to use. I said, absolutely not. We're not using that. We're not, we're not going down that road. We're not, no. I mean, it, it, if we can get our teenagers to read the Bible, I'm, actually, I'm absolutely excited. You want to take them down that other? No, we're not doing that. So uh, that's the thing, you know, I, I stick to the Bible. But I want, you to, I want you to think about this for just a moment. I'm not trying to get anything else. I'm not trying to get another historical book out or anything like that. I don't have that. All I have is 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. But I want you to think about this. Why was these stories chosen and not another story? You see what I'm saying? Why was this what was chosen to be put in the Bible? And why did other things not make it into the Bible? And I want to answer that with one, one phrase. Because, and, and I hate to, be, hate to use a cliche, but because God wanted it that way. God chose what was in the Bible to be in the Bible for you and I on this last Wednesday night of 2023, God chose those stories, those particular characters, those everything that was that was put in the Bible about what happened with Noah and the ark. Those are the things that God wanted in there, not the other stuff, but God chose that to be in there. Why do you think? Would I mean? And this is not work tonight, but I want you, I'm, I want to get our mind working on some stuff. Did God really have to put in the Bible where Noah's son walks in and sees Noah drunk, naked in the floor, and and then a curse was put over that son? Did that really have to be put in the Bible? Could that have been left out, and God could have left that out and put something? Nice and fuzzy and all pretty and, and flowery and stuff. God could have chose other things, but God chose those things to be put in there. Why? For you and I. There's things out of all of that that we can, we can learn. And so I, I, thinking on that, I want us to look at this tonight because this is something. The title of this, if you want to title this, is called A Pot of Oil. Everybody in here probably knows this story, but I think we can look at this. I, I want to look at this maybe a little bit different. I want to draw something else out of it. There's nothing new in the Scripture, but we find something new all the time. Why? Because God opens the Word to us differently. So let's take a look. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and it says this. I'm just going to read it straight through, and then we're going to go back and we're going to hit on this. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what do you want me to do about it? In essence, that's literally what he does. And what he says, he says, what shall I do for you? You know, they come to collect money and you're wanting, what do you want me to do about it? 
tell me. Then Elijah goes on and he says, what do you have in the house? And she said that your servant, she's talking about herself, she said your servant has nothing except a jar of oil. Then she said, go outside and borrow the vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not too few. Go borrow a bunch of them. Don't borrow one or two. Go get a bunch of them. Verse 4. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself, your sons, and pour into the vessels. And when one is full, set it to the side. Then she went from him, shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured, and she poured, they brought, as she poured, they brought vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, we ain't got no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons live on the rest. There's something I want you to take a look at. First of all, let's go back to verse 1. I want you to look at some things because, and and I know somebody's going to get very bored over the next five or six seconds, or five or six minutes, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to lay a little bit more of a foundation to this, because I want you to see some things, and somebody's gonna be like, okay, I don't need to know all this history stuff. You actually, you do. You really do need to see some things because it actually will open up the scripture to us a little bit more in depth when you see actually what's taking place. So, verse one, verse one lays a little bit of a foundation for us. Verse one tells us. Tells us a lot of tells us a lot of stuff. First of all, verse one tells us that this woman's husband has died. So she is a widow, and if you know much about in this time frame, what they did is somebody, somebody was supposed to come in because, and I'm not trying to be offensive. This is exactly what was going on in Bible times because she could not be on her own. Her sons obviously was still really young and they're because they're living at the house. They're living at home. They don't have a uh, a talent or a skill set that they're able to it that they're able to utilize to provide income for the home because even even kids as young as as I mean my daughter's 17 so she should Lord Jesus, I'm so glad we don't live in Bible times. Cuz that's just to say that not my mind just busted open, you know. She's 17, she should already have kids and and everything else according to Bible times, okay? You know, I mean, Mary, some Bible scholars even put Mary as young as 14. So we we need to understand something here. Uh, her sons have got to be young enough that they're not able to go out and they're not able to go in the marketplace. They're not go out to the farms. They're not able to go out and provide an income for the home. They are still young. This is an obvious thing that we find here. Something else that we find here is that she does not have a lot of income. She does not have a lot of uh, assets that she's able to utilize to pay the indebtedness that her that the house that she now has has to provide for. She does not have this money, this income to provide for assets or assets to provide for what needed for the house. There is an indebtedness that's been incurred. So there is a financial struggle that she is facing. So why does she have this financial struggle? Well, her husband has died. So what kind of a job did her husband have? Well, her husband was an apprentice. 
Her husband was an apprentice to become a priest in the local tabernacle. If you go back and you look at verse 1, verse 1 tells us. Now, I'm fixing to blow somebody's mind, and that'll be all right. Verse 1 tells us that she is the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. She is the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. That's what it tells us. Well, you can't just take it at face value. You've got to go back and you've got to do word study. You've got to dig in. You've got to find out what this actually means, what the definitions that we're actually looking at here when we say that. If I say this, if I say that she was the sons of one of the prophets, that was her husband, then what you could assume would be is that she is somebody's, she's married to somebody's biological son. But when you go back and you start looking at the Hebrew, this actually translates into something totally different. What this actually refers to is that her husband was a, a student in order to become a priest in the local church, in the local tabernacle. He was actually studying to become a priest in the town. Now, once you start looking into that, why is that so important? We've got to understand, you just didn't wake up one morning and say, Oh, I want to be a preacher. You couldn't just do that. You had to become, you in order to be the priest, in order to be a, a minister in the local tabernacle, you didn't just come in and become the lead pastor one day. Oh, I feel like I'm going to be the preacher. And so, hallelujah, glory to God, you shake your leg, and everybody thinks, oh, that must be the, that must be the, new, the new preacher in town, and so we're just going to put him in the position. I've watched several of these westerns, and that's what, you know, a lot of times what would happen. But this is not that. This is back in the Jewish times. What they did is they actually had to be in the line and the lineage of that particular family. You just, just didn't just happen. Now, why is all this important? The substance and the things for the tabernacle, that is what provided for those that was of the priesthood. So this is telling us that this has got to be a small town. This is not a big town. This is not Jerusalem. This is a small outskirt town that they don't have a whole lot of substance in the town to provide for all of those being that's called into the ministry, as we would call it today, or of the lineage of the priesthood. Why is that important for us? These folks are facing a lot of difficulties. These folks are facing trials. These folks are facing difficulties that is unimaginable to you and I. They are facing hardships. Oh, wait a minute. This is not so unimaginable. We're facing a lot of the same stuff today, right? I mean, we talked about this the other day. I actually watched a YouTube video a couple of days ago. This guy, he actually, I would love to have had the mindset to do this. This, this guy actually goes into the local grocery store in 2009, I believe I have the years right, in 2009, and he buys these exact items off the grocery list. And it comes up to be about $41. About five years later, he goes in, I believe it's about 13, 14 years, in 2013, 14, something like that, he goes in and he does the exact same thing. Same grocery store, same brand, everything. He goes in and buys the exact same item, $41, $60. He goes in and does that this year. Same items, same brands, same grocery store, same town, 
everything's the same, except it went from $41 to, guess what, $127. Wow. Can we say we're facing a lot of the financial struggles, the financial trials, the things of life, just like we're saying what is happening right here in this family. Now, did y'all find any of what I just said in Scripture? No. All it says was, one of the wives of the sons of the prophet. But now that we've looked at it and we see what is actually being written there, we find that there's so much more encapsulated in this particular passage. There's a lot more involved in this than just the sons, the wife of one of the sons of the prophet. Now, what this lady does is she knows why. Because her husband, that is now dead, her husband, was he was training in the tutelage. He was training to become a priest. He was training to be raised up into the ministry, which that's what we call training up being the ministry there in the local tabernacle. So there, that tells me, look, just every, every wife in here is fixing to just grin and shake their head. When your husband comes home, how was your day? They may tell you a lot of stuff that you have no idea what was, what was going on. That you, you ain't got a clue what they're talking about, but you just sit there and just listen to them. You share, husband and wives share for each other those days. Uh, uh, Angela, or excuse me, Joe, got you. Angela, if, if, if Kevin came home and he was telling you something about something such and such happened on the rail, when he was working at the railroad, you might be just sitting there looking at him like, you ain't got a clue what he just said. He was talking about this one component and this one thing, and this was giving him a fit and stuff like that. And he's explaining all that, and you're just sitting here like, and in the back of your mind, I ain't got a clue what this man's talking about. You've done the same thing. Deborah, I'm sure that Larry came home several times, and he might have told you something. Or even if he came in and he told you a story about it, he was out there on the docks, and, he was t- and you're sitting here listening, and you're like, I don't want to hear none of this. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. You've just... So we understand that this is the same thing that must have happened then. So her husband has come home from school one day. Her husband has come home from school one day. And she and he has learned that day about the God we serve. Well, he's learned that day of Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. That was the word of the day, and they studied in the scripture the scrolls and the prophecies that day at church school about the Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Well, two weeks later, her husband died, but that's still on her mind. Now, right now I'm using Andy's imagination. I don't find this in scripture, but I'm using my imagination right now. So they have his funeral. We don't know why he's why he died. We don't understand why he died. All we know is in the second ver- second line it says, "Your servant, my husband, is dead." That's all we got there. That's what we've got right here. But two weeks later, he has died after he come home and he told her about this Jehovah Jireh, my God, our provider. And, we t- and, and so that's all she's got in her mindset is he's come home and has told her something about God. And she knows that God never 
lets his people down. She knows that God is going to take care of his people. She may have heard the scripture out of the book of Proverbs. He may have come home one day and told the, told her, told the scripture out of the book of Proverbs that said, it says that the God we serve says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. So God's going to take care of his. She may have been, that may have been something that was told. But all we know is he was a student learning about who God is and now he's dead. And so she goes to the man of God that she knows named Elisha. And she goes to him and she says, hey. My husband's dead. I've got an indebtedness that I've got to I've got to take care of. How is the God you serve going to take help take care of me? That's in essence what she says here. And Elijah looks at her and says, "What you want me to do about your problem?" But just to just to show you that God is going to take care of you, go do what God's telling you to do. So there's a condition that we find here. There's a condition that we find that this widow, she has a grave need in her life. Every one of us has been in a situation, it might not have been financial, it might have been physical, it might have been spiritual, it might have been emotional. There's been a problem that has incurred in our lives and we step back if we're smart about it and we go to the man of God and we say, hey, this is the situation I'm in. This is the problem I'm in. Look at verse 2. Now, what you going to do about it? And Elijah looks, at, Elijah looks at her and says, what do you want me to do? Why are you bringing this to me? But I tell you what, just because you brought it to me, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. So there's five things that this widow, she does. And we need to really keep it in our mindsets of what we're supposed to do when we face a grave need in our lives, a difficult situation, a major problem. First of all, and, and I want you all to realize something. As I go through this, I want you all to understand, first of all, I know I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you another little secret. This is laid out biblical. This is biblical stuff, okay? This is what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do, and I want you to understand something. Church folks don't do this. Church folks don't do this. Number one, first of all, inform the true minister of the gospel and seek his counsel. I don't always have the solutions. I don't always have the problem, but I know the one that does. I, I, there's times that people come to me about something, and I'm sitting here, and I'm scratching. This is why I'm bald. I'm scratching the top of my head because I'm trying to figure out myself what in the world we're going to do. Look at what Elijah says. Elijah doesn't have the answer. What do you want me to do? That's literally what he said. He said, what shall I do for you? What do you want me to do about the problem? But he's a servant of God, and he also knows. He also understands God's not going to let the righteous 
be forsaken and God's not going to let his own seed be begging for bread. God is going to take care of his people. Just like God's done in the past, God's going to do it now and God's going to continue to do it. God is going to take care of his people. It doesn't matter if it's financial. It doesn't matter if it's physical. It doesn't matter how your kids is acting. I didn't say that out loud, did I? It doesn't matter what's going on in, our, in, our, in the marriage. It doesn't matter what's going on at work. It doesn't matter about those things. Why? Because whatever the problem is, God's going to take care of it. That's what Elijah knew. That's what Elijah knew. Verse 1 tells us the wife is a, her husband was a student for the church. He was studying to be a priest. He died. Why did he die? We have no idea. All we know is he died. We know that it's an unexpected death. We know that it's happened. It's happened. We don't know why. We don't know what the circumstances was. We, all we know is he has died. Guess what? Things creep up in our lives and they are unexpected. Things happen in our lives. They're unexpected. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you can do to change them except pick up and move forward. Too many people want to waller around in this instead of pick up and let's move on. Now, if somebody's done something wrong, there's still a price to pay. If your kid does something wrong, you still... Never mind, I'm going to go on. So, number one, she goes to the minister. She goes to Elijah, verse 1. Verse 1, she goes to Elijah and she says, hey... This is the problem. This is what's happening. This is what's taking place. That's number one. Number two, she goes on, and you'll have to find this part of it on here. Uh, number two, she seeks the help of those around, humbly asking for assistance. She seeks for help from her neighbors, her friends, humbly asking for assistance. I want you to think about this. If she's got a financial issue and she's got a financial problem and she's going through desperate times, how we're not a betting people, but I can promise you, I'd bet you a pretty penny that the next door neighbor is facing difficult times, difficult problems, difficult situations. Do you know how I know that? Not one person in this in this building, not one person that's joined us on live feed, not one person that was in church on Sunday morning, not one person that we're connected to is exempt from facing problems. We're all facing problems. We're all facing trials. We're all facing situations. We all face that. But guess what? My God is so much bigger. My God is so much bigger. He can handle what you're going through just at the same time he can handle what somebody else is going through. I know that God can take care of it. Why? Elijah does not break down and, oh, you're going through, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry you're going through problems. Look, go back to verse 2. We're going to flip-flop around. Dan's not going to know what verses to be on in a minute. Verse 2. Elijah does not cry and whine. That this woman's going through problems, she he he does not he does not get he does not ha help her form a pity party. He does not go through anything like that. He's first of all he says, "What do you want me to do about it?" Then he goes into, "Look, we're going to take it to God. This is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. 
this is what's going to take place. He was matter of fact about himself. And you know what? She did. And it's not a matter of a she. It could be a he, she. It doesn't matter. Age, nothing. It's all the same, okay? This is what she did not do. She did not, Brother Danny, guess what she did not do? You know what she didn't do? He tells her, he says, what you got in your house? She says, I got a jar of oil. Then verse 3 says, Elijah says, all right, go borrow, empty, not just a couple of them. You need to borrow a bunch of them. Verse 4, he tells her to shut the door, fill them up. When one gets full, set it to the side, get another one. Verse 5, she went and she belly ached. She got on the telephone and she said, can you believe what that man of God told me to do? that did she I know what she did I know what she did oh I'm, I'm up I know what she did she said I sure do wish God would show me a sign if that's what I'm really supposed to do oh no she didn't do that either she didn't do that did she she did not say I need four other people to tell me the same thing in order to do that no, no she didn't do that either she went and, now listen, I know I'm not a dummy. I know everybody, the Bible tells us plainly, just because somebody cries, Lord, Lord, does not mean that they're fit for the kingdom of God. I got that. Just because somebody stands behind a pulpit does not mean that they are a servant of God. There are a lot of fake folks. I understand all of that. We're talking about she went to a true servant of God she went to somebody that she knew was getting a hold of God. You've got to know that who you're going to is a true servant of God. And when that true servant of God has said something from God, you got to whine and bellyache and moan and groan and call 14 people and say, I can't believe what that preacher... She didn't do none of that stuff. She went and she gathered the vessels that he told her together and started pouring. Nowhere do we find in Scripture does it say that she said, he ain't got a clue what he's talking about. How is this little bitty bottle of oil going to fill up all them jars? He has lost his mind. It doesn't say none of that, does it? It says that she went and she, but here's something else that she did. She sought assistance from her neighbors. Think about this for just a moment that are probably going through the same problem she's going through. Sure, their spouse might not have died, but they may be facing a financial problem too. They may be having difficulties in their life too. Listen, what we've got to realize is, okay, let's, let's, let's forget finances for just a second. I know that we're talking financial here. Let's forget that for just a second. Somebody is, has gotten a bad report from the doctor. You, and I'm, not, I'm not being ugly when I say this, but you're not the only one that's ever gotten a bad report from the doctor. I know that it's hard to face a bad report from the doctor. I'm not going to ask anybody to, anybody to do this because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'll use me. I've gotten bad reports from the doctor. I've already told you all before. I got, before we came to Coosa Valley, I got a bad report from the doctor.
But what we've got to realize and understand is, yes, we all face problems. We all face difficulties. We all go through trials. But guess what? If grief, hardship, troubles, all of these things happen for night, mourning happens in the night, but joy is coming tomorrow. Joy is coming in the morning. Amen? I'm going through trials. I'm going through troubles. But tomorrow morning, there may be something around the corner. That Listen, I need you to hear this. I ain't going to ever preach this out loud. What we've got to realize and understand is so many Christians stop on the brink of a miracle because they want to sit back and they want to have a pity party. I'm not telling us that it's, it's wrong. to. It's not, it's not that it's wrong to have a trouble. It, we all face troubles. It's not wrong to, like, I mean, I faced a medical difficulty. I'm crying. I'm, tell, I'm upset. There's nothing wrong with that. But we got to pick ourselves up and go to the one that we know has got the answer. I don't know about the trial. I don't know about the trouble. But I'm going to look unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. And this is what this lady's, she's going, she's knocking on the neighbor's house. Could you just imagine this? You're going through financial troubles. You're going through trials. You're going through a situation. You go to the front door, and there's your next-door neighbor that her husband just died. You just took pot roast over there the other day that you really didn't have enough to make pot roast for your own family, but you took something over to her house a couple of days ago, and she's bringing back that pan that you brought the pot roast in, and she says, oh, here's the pan, but do you mind if I, do you have any empty vessels I can pour oil in? She looked at her like she lost her mind. But do you know what she said? She said, the servant of the Lord told me to gather the vessels from my neighbor's house because God's going to provide a need. Do you know what they did? They, they said, no, God's going to provide for my need first. No, what'd they say? They said, here it is. Here's two of them. Here's three of them. They jumped in. Why? Because they know if God's going to do it for her, God can do it for me. We've got too many church folks that are so jealous because God blessed somebody else and that he ain't blessed me yet. Get over yourself. I've had people come to us and they say, bless God, I can't stand it. God just, look at all the stuff God's done for you. Yeah, God, you don't know the trouble and the trials we've been through in order for God to bless us like he has. God's blessed. Guess what? God blesses me. God can bless you. God can bless you. God can bless you. And that's what those neighbors were saying. You know what? I'm giving you two, I'm giving you three, I'm giving you four pots that's empty. Why? Because I know if God will bless you, I know that God will bless me. We do not know that God did not bless that entire town for this. Do we know that? No, we do not know that. Why? It's not written in scriptures. Do we know that? But we don't know that it didn't happen. We don't know that it did not happen. We don't know what took place next. Let's go on. We also find that what this widow did is she sought the privacy in the sense of giving glory to God and not pointing to herself as doing something super spiritual or one deserving of help. She went in and she shut the door. She shut the door. We see, Look, y'all see this? I've seen this. 
we see people go, you know, we've preached the last couple of weeks, we've talked about, or the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how that there are times that people will, when they're going through times of fa- uh, fasting, that they want to make sure that they, in the Bible times, it talks about how that they put all the gloom and doom <coughs> makeup on, they put ash all over their face, and they want everybody to know they're fasting. And and they go to the they go to the corner Seven Eleven and they go in and they, they got to pay for their gas and and the the cashier says well here's a fudge round free today and they, no I can't take a fudge round today because I am a servant of the Lord God and I am fasting no they didn't do all that and that's not what she did she was not trying to promote this is this is something I'm doing that's super spiritual this is something that I've done that's super spiritual you look look God blessed me that's what people will do is they're going through something they're going through a trial they're going through something and God does bless them and they start strutting around like an old banny rooster and they say look at what God done see I'm super spiritual there's nothing wrong with giving a testimony of what God's done in your life there's nothing thing wrong with that. But when you start crutching across that line that says, look at what I did, now there's the problem. Now there's the, there's, the, there's the problem. Somebody came up to me one time. We was in a revival service, and somebody came up to me after service, and, and uh, they, they, they was telling me, come up to me and said, I'm so glad you obeyed the Lord to God tonight. I'm telling you, y'all, God just moved, God moved tonight, God moved, God moved tonight. God, God's good. God, I'm exhausted. I'm ready to get in the vehicle. I'm ready to go home. I am tired. I mean, we just had a we just had an hour and a half of altar service. I'm exhausted. I feel like I've worked ten hours in that hour and a half, much less preached prior to that. I mean, I'm tired. I'm I'm physically, emotionally, and spiritually drained. I'm just worn out. And they come up to me and they said, "I'm so thankful that you that you obeyed. It was all God. God, God, give God the glory. Give God the honor." They kept kept on and kept on with saying. I'm glad that you obeyed God. I'm glad that you prayed for me. I'm glad that you sought God on my behalf. I'm glad that do you are you seeing the are you seeing the pattern here? No. I didn't do anything. I didn't do a thing. All I did was obey God. God is the one that done it. God is the one that provided. God is the one that brought the the healing. God is the one that brought this. God that God, God did it all. All I did was obeyed him. Amen. I've had people on the other side of the spectrum come to me and they'll say, why do you not have the faith that I can get healed? I got the faith you can get healed. I also got the faith that God can strike you with a bolt of lightning if you want to watch out for it now. I mean, you know, God God opened it. Look, I got I got the faith that God can do all things. And look what he did in the Bible. These people started stealing stuff. What did he do? He opened up the, he opened up the earth and swallowed them whole. Then closed it back up. I got he sent Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent he sent fire and brimstone out of the heavens and destroyed the whole I got faith that God can work. You better watch how God's gonna work in your life. You better watch it now. But what we've got to realize and understand is when the servant of God, or in this case, this widow, they start saying, Look at what I did. I'm super spiritual. We all got to realize that there's people in the church world that they start getting in that. That big head, that ego, that pride, and they start going down that road of look at what I have done. No. What did she do? She shut the door and she did what the servant of God told her to do in privacy. 
it was just her and her son that have gone behind that door. That's all that's in there. What we've got to realize is that what God does in what God does in our lives in privacy, God is going to show everybody in the open. When we go to God in private and pray and seek God, God's going to reward openly. When we do things behind closed doors, God's going to take care of us in the open. And when people talk, I'm going to go down this road here. When people talk about us behind our backs and open, we don't have to worry about trying to correct that. God's going to take care of us. God's going to, God's going to fight our battles. God's going to go down that road. God's going to take care of those things. He told her, go behind the door. Shut the door. Do this in privacy. The fourth thing that we find here. So first of all, she goes to the, a true servant of God seeking counsel. Number two, she asks her neighbors that are going through the same problems for help. Humbly asking for their assistance. Third thing. She sought privacy, but she also gives God glory and honor in what he's done. But she does what God's told her to do in privacy. You ain't got to go out and, 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 and put on airs outside that you're fasting. You ain't got to go out on airs and, and tell everybody, well, bless God, I've read 14 chapters of the Bible today. Well, that's wonderful. What you going to read tomorrow? When we start doing that, we're trying to promote our own self. We're trying to toot our own horn. We're trying to do those things. God's not looking for that. Fourth thing, she worked personally to solve the problem she was in. This one is, to me, this is of extreme importance, especially in the society we live in right now. Look at that verse. I, uh, I don't remember which verse it is. I think it's verse 1. It may be verse 1. She has an indebtedness. She has an indebtedness. The creditor has come to take my sons, my two children, to be his slaves, to pay that indebtedness. So what was going to have to happen? Her son was going to have to go and work off her indebtedness for this guy, the creditor. Okay? Now, notice that she does not tell Elijah, she does not go to him and say, hey, my husband, my husband w was working to be a, he was studying to be a minister. He was studying in the ministry. He was the sons of the prophet. He was there to be, to studying to be a priest one day. He was going to try to be a priest one day. And he's got this huge indebtedness because y'all didn't pay him enough. Now what are y'all going to do to pay my indebtedness? She didn't go to the servant of God for that, right? She says, the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. She recognizes she has the indebtedness. That's hers. Okay, sure, they probably shouldn't have bought the 72-inch flat screen TV. They probably shouldn't have bought the third vehicle that they really didn't need. They did not need to do, they did not have to, they did not have to go on vacation four months ago. They should have stayed at home. They did it anyway. They've incurred, they've incurred an indebtedness. They have an indebtedness in that house. 
she says, I have an indebtedness. Now, I need God to take care, help take care of this. This is an indebtedness that she has incurred. Her home has incurred. Now, I need God to help me out of this situation. She doesn't try to, I've got an indebtedness, but it's all Kevin's fault. I don't know what you did, but it's your fault. Do you, does, that, does that sound familiar today? Does, does that sound familiar, what, what people will do? Have you ever heard, the, have you ever heard, and I know y'all have because I've said it a thousand times. I can't stand this phrase. Well, the devil made me do it. No, she didn't even say that. She did not even say the devil made us, the devil made us buy that Tahoe that we really didn't need. And I really want to keep that Tahoe, so you need to help me pay this thing off. She didn't even say that, did she? She said, I have an indebtedness. The creditors have come. They're going to take my kids. To Could you imagine? You're going to throw your kids. <laughs> but th this is the time that they're living in. So Steph, go through Sam. <laughs> you really do feel that way. Your three sons has got to work off your indebtedness. David's going tomorrow to buy that extra Tahoe. <laughs> they got to still work it off, y'all. But do, but you see, do you do you really are you really seeing what's going on here? She's not trying this widow. She's not try, look. She did not even pull the biggest card that she had to pull on these creditors. We, do we find in scriptures that she told these creditors, "Hey, my husband just died. Why don't you show me some sympathy?" Why don't you cut me some slack? Why don't you show me some grace and mercy? I, I love that phrase there. People like to throw that grace and mercy card out when they really don't know what grace and mercy is, okay? Y'all hear what I'm saying? She did not pull that card. She said, I've got an indebtedness that needs to be taken care of. She asked the servant of the Lord, she says, I need help in this. I need God to help me in this. Have you ever gotten to the point that you really said, I really need God to take care of this. I really need God to handle this situation. I really and truly need God to work this thing out. But what she did is she personally goes to the servant of God. She didn't send her sons down to the servant. She goes to the servant herself. Then the servant of God, Elisha, tells her, this is what you need to do in order to do this. And she personally goes through the motions. She does what God told her to do through his servant. She has done what God told her to do to fix this situation. And she is not blaming it on the car lot down the road. She's not blaming it on somebody else. She's taking responsibility for everything that's happened. She's personally working to solve the problem. The final thing. I've just now laid the foundation. I'm just now ready to preach. I'm kidding. Final thing. She follows the counsel. She follows the advice. She trusts God to meet the need. I don't know about you, but if I told me, okay, 
if I told me, if I, the pastor of this church, told me as a member of this church, go get a bunch of uh, vessels and pour the oil out of this bottle and fill all them vessels up. I'm sitting here thinking, that thing's only a fifth of the way full. It ain't going to take much to fill up all these vessels. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of hesitant to think that I could fill 10 vessels, a gallon jug, 10 gallon jug vessels, and this would fill all 10 of them. I don't know about you, but I'm a little hesitant about that. Why? Because we are the seeing is believing mentality, right? I know I've used the same example dozens of times here at this church. The first one that, I've got $100 in this pocket. The first one that comes up here is going to get that $100. Nobody's jumping. Why? Because I've already told you all a bunch of times before, I ain't got $100 in this pocket. But the moment I pull out the, I told you all, I didn't got $100 in this pocket. <laughs> The moment I was, if I was to pull the hundred dollars out of that pocket, Wayne would have broke his leg trying to get up here and get that hundred dollars out of my my hand. I don't know. Larry would have. <laughs> 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 but do you see my point? I've told y'all and told y'all and told y'all. I'm proving a point right here. I've said it. I ain't got a hundred dollars in my pocket. I ain't got $100 on my, in my wallet. I don't have $100 with me. I don't carry money. I don't carry cash with me at all. I don't carry cash. I've said those things. How many times have I said that? Does anybody even believe I've got cash on me? Nobody does. Why? Because I've said it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I don't carry cash. I don't have, have $100 in my wallet. I don't carry cash on me. But if I was to pull cash out, you're like, but nobody believes that I've got the cash on me because I've told y'all many, many times I don't carry cash on me. I don't have cash on me. I don't have $100 in my pocket, but I'm going to use that as an example. I've said that and said that and said that. So I've proven I don't carry cash on me. I don't have $100 on me. I don't carry cash on me. Seeing is believing. Here's what we've got to realize. This lady knows this widow knows that Elijah is the servant of God. She has more than likely has seen time and time and time again that God worked through Elisha to do something. Do you know who, do you know who lives two doors down from this lady? I don't really know. This is imagination one more time, okay? Do you know who lives two doors down from this lady? The woman who sinned with Jezebel. And Elijah walked in and breathed back on that face of that boy. And he died and walked out of that house after they've already called everybody and said he's died. Do you know who lives across the road from them? Do you know who lives across the road from them? That's, that's somebody that Elijah's prayed for, that, that their son was born from, and he's been that way from birth, that he had a withered leg. And Elijah came through one day, and Elijah prayed for her son. Two doors down, across the road, 
prayed for that son and that withered leg, it grew to the right length. Do you know who lives on the other side of this neighbor? One of the ones that she borrowed a gallon jug from. Do you know who that is? That's the one that her daughter was dead. And Elijah said, just said, all I got to do is give you this cloth that's been wrapped around my head and you just lay it on your daughter and she's going to get up. And she did. You know who lives four doors down from that? Somebody that's going through a financial situation, going through a financial trouble just last month. And Elijah come through and prayed and everything got straightened out. Now, some of those is made up. I get that. Some of that's imagination. I understand that. But what we've got to realize and understand, we don't have all of the stories of the Bible, but we do know the God we serve. And does that not sound like the God we serve? God's done it before, and God will do it again. God's healed of cancer, so what makes me think that God can't heal her cancer? God is taking care of financial problems, so what makes me think that God can't take care of it again? God has raised people from the dead. What makes me say that God can't do it? Time and time again. Do you know, just in this sanctuary alone, just in this body of believers alone, do you know how many miracles they are? You tell me God can't, and I'll tell you, watch God work. That's why this, the, the fifth thing, that's why she trusted in the servant of God and she believed that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. What we've got to understand is we just need to trust that God's going to do it. God will take care of the rest. But too many times we're trying to figure out, okay, what have I got to do to help God? No, let God work. Let's do what God's telling us to do. Amen? Live feed, thank you so much for being with us. Join us back Sunday school, Sunday morning at 945, worship at 11. Uh, Sunday, we are going to uh, we're gonna have a, uh, a recap of 2023, the exciting things that's happened this year, even though it feels like it was just a month ago that 2023 started. Sunday, we're going to do a recap and lay a little bit of a foundation for what 2024 has in store for us. I'm excited about what God's doing. Live feed, thank you so much for being with us. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer. Amen and amen.